Well, Gaudete to you too. Today is Gaudete Sunday, the Latin word for rejoice. And the way the Latin word is given to us, it isn't just rejoice, it's rejoice. It's a command. We've done a lot of rejoicing. We've done some praying and given thanks. Do we always pray do we, without ceasing? Do we always give thanks in all circumstances? Do we always rejoice? I know I'm guilty of not praying always. Sometimes I forget to do my morning prayers and I find myself speaking to God in my car. And that's okay, I guess. But the problem with that with me is that I do all the talking. I think I need to listen more when I pray. L listening is an active part of pray, about praying. It's a, a, a good part of the equation about how we pray. And do we rejoice always? Well, maybe not. Do we rejoice when food prices go up, when someone becomes ill in our family? Do we rejoice? when we find out that one of our children is getting divorced? Do we always give thanks when we find out that our job is in jeopardy? Do we always rejoice when we hear of wars and rumors of wars? It seems almost as if the world is coming apart at the seams now. The kind of violence that occurred when some of the Gospels were written 2,000 years ago in Pal Palestine, the same violence that we're witnessing today. This Thursday, Christ Church is going to be offering something we may maybe haven't done in a while, or maybe ever. Uh, Father Al and I are going to gather together at 5 o'clock on Thursday to offer a service of hope and remembrance. Oftentimes during the Christmas season when we're bombarded with this commercial drive to uh, be merry and happy all the time, uh, sometimes it's a very difficult period of time for many of us who, are or who have experienced the loss of the ones we loved, people who are still experiencing the uh, terrible thing of food insecurity, people who are worried about where they're going to be living next month, how are they going to pay the rent. Rejoice, Gaudete, St. Paul tells the Thessalonians. Even in the midst of that, we ought to be strong enough to give thanks, to know that God will always be faithful to us. But in the season of expectation and anticipation, it may, have get, it may get caught up in the, in the rush of things. Yes, it's difficult to rejoice always. It's difficult to pray without ceasing. And it's difficult to give thanks in all circumstances. But that's what we're called to do. We are the, we are the community of hope. We have been given the promise of eternal life through God. And now we're preparing the birth of the Savior. That miracle event that somehow allows us to witness God permeating through the membrane from heaven to earth, where 
the incarnate Son is born and takes on our flesh and blood. That mystery of the incarnation. I, I recall when we were getting ready to have our first child some 42 years ago <clears throat> and it was our decision not to find out what the child was. We didn't get the uh, amniocentesis or whatever it was we had to do. We just wanted 10 fingers and 10 toes. We'd be happy with that. Our expectation now is preparing for the birth of Christ again for the first time, if you will. What is that baby's birth going to mean for our lives? How have we prepared? What can we expect? What will it do to us? How will it change our lives? Or will it change our lives at all? I know when our daughter was born, it changed our lives. And the next daughter changed our lives. And the next daughter changed our lives. But change is inevitable. And when this Christ becomes man and is born of a woman, our lives will be changed once again for the first time. St. Francis of Assisi thought it was a good idea not only to celebrate Christmas, but he started the idea of putting out a manger or a creche. St. Francis was the one who came up with that idea as a, vis a visual reminder of what's happening. But as Christians, we know that that baby is going to grow up. That baby is not going to be remembered because of a, of a manger that it was born in but it's going to be remembered because of this. So our expectation in our, our season of rejoicing allows us to embrace the idea that Christ comes among us, flesh and blood, to change us, to empower us, and to give us grace. We gather each Sunday at the sacred meal to give thanks, the word Eucharist meaning Thanksgiving. We come every Sunday with our hopes and our dreams and our fears, just like the Christmas carol says. We come here with open hearts. We come here to pray, to listen, to be quiet, to receive the sacred Holy Communion, and to be sent. That's the key part of the, re the relationship here. Once we receive the meal and say the words and share the prayers, we're sent into a hungry and broken world that we need to be witness to. We need to witness God's love in all that we do, even against these seemingly insurmountable odds against us change that we seem like we can't possibly affect any change. That prayer that I often use at the end of, of the Eucharist, it, the last part of it is my favorite part. It says, God bless you with just enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world so that you will do those things that others say cannot be done. That's our charge. 
And that's maybe probably what St. Paul was getting at when he was talking, writing to the Thessalonians. <clears throat> to be foolish enough to try that. To be foolish for God. To say gaudete, rejoice. Even in the midst of chaos that surrounds us. Especially in the midst of the chaos that surrounds us. The time is near. Advent this year is even shorter because Advent morning is Christmas Eve evening, all in one day. Be prepared. Be expectant. And rejoice. Amen.